0: Good morning. This is the uh, point in the service where it would be really good for you to pull out something really crazy. Uh, I brought an old friend to church from 1993. This is, some of you are like, what the heck is he holding? Is this a museum? No, this is a church, and this is a Bible. I'm not lying to you. It has pages and everything. I love paper. Mmm, It still smells like 1993. Not really, not really. But listen, I get that some of you will whip out your U you version, and somebody And listen to me. I honestly believe. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I honestly believe if Jesus was on the planet right now, he'd carry an iPad because you can carry the Library of Congress in an iPad, and so and it doesn't weigh a thing. You can't carry a full-size scroll of the Torah and let's just throw the whole rest of our Bible in there on your back without knowing you're carrying it, okay? And some of you are like, well, if it's not a 1,200-pound Thompson chain reference Bible, King James Version, it's probably not a Bible at all, pastor. I get that, but that's not the truth, okay? I'm just letting you know. A couple of announcements that I just want to, you know, key on here, lock in. I don't know how many of you have students, but some of us do have some we'd like to lock up, right? Okay, well, it's a lock-in. It's not a lock-up, it's a lock-in, so don't be going home. They're going to have a lock-in, I'm going to have you committed. Don't do that, okay? That's not what that's about. And the other thing is, I heard some people really get excited about the -the glow-in-the-dark egg hunt. It's not for you. Get over yourself, okay? You're a grown-up now. We put away childish things when we, Paul said this, we put away childish things when we became adults, okay? It's for your children, and that's a good thing. I had the pleasure of being up at a church in northern Indiana just outside of South Bend last weekend. It's a church that you may not know, but a church that we as a church have poured into on a regular basis. When they planted four and a half years ago, I made it very clear to this young couple um, that they could call this church and ask for anything that they wanted, and my staff would stop what they were doing on the spot. And get them the information, the packages. I don't care if it's the sermons. I don't care what the graphics, the whatever it was, song charts. I really didn't care. But we believe in helping other churches grow. And, And it was just such a joy to me after four and a half years of interacting with this couple to be able to be up there. And one of the things that I said up there, I want to share with you this morning. And I only say this because I was sitting right there and the Lord said, I want you to say this to them too. And so you come in here. And uh, we'll talk about what should happen in church on Sunday mornings. But um, the least of what should happen is you should interact with God who's up in heaven. You should. You should come in here. You're not coming in here for a Bible college degree. I love you guys, and people come in here all the time like, man, you got to preach the Word, stick to the Word, only say the Word, don't say anything but the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. Okay, that's great. If you want a Bible college degree, I did two years every single day, four hours a day, three hours of homework after class. You're not going to get that on Sunday mornings in a church anywhere. It's not going to happen. That's not what church is about. Church is where we bring our sacrifice, we bring our offering, we open up the Word, and then we say, God, what are you saying to me this morning? Not, what's the next class, what's the next test, what's the next paper I have to turn in? Okay, Now, I'm not excusing the Word. I'm just saying we should come in here to interact with the Word, capital W, His name is Jesus. And He said, He said that His Father, who is God, is Spirit- and wants worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm convicted in my heart that when we come together, spiritual things should happen. Things that make us uncomfortable. Things that are like, oh, where are you going with this? Or, well, we don't do that. Okay, we can't come in here and do what we do. We come in here to fall down in front of God and let God be God. So let me say this to you before I ever start into this message right here. Let me say this to you: God wants to dance with you. You can write that down and go home. Seriously, God wants to dance with you. You know what I'm talking about? Dance. You know what I'm doing? Okay, like this. Okay, I, you know I dance, but the music moves me ugly. Okay, it just does. Okay, it does. My wife and I, once in a while, now that the kids are out of the house, will dance. We'll just put some music on, and I'll just say, hey, I want to dance with you. And we just do this. This is all we do. This is dancing to us, because neither one of us knows how to dance. So this is dancing, okay? <laughs> the problem is we're both leaders. <laughs> okay, I guess you got the message. Let's go on with the <laughs> Right? Right? She steps on my toes, and I'm like, come on. I'm trying to lead here. I'm the man. Let's do this. Come on. She's like, you're not doing it right. And it's like, so we're trying to dance. Sorry. I thought she left the room. (laughs) I thought I would get away with this one. Listen to me. God wants to dance with you, but just like Pastor Janice and I, some of you are trying to lead God. And he's not doing that. He is not doing that. You'll follow God as long as God lets you lead. And God is saying, man, I want to dance with you. I want to dance with you so bad and he, God is like waiting for you to just get caught up in his arms and you to feel the passion of his heart and he wants to swing you around and he wants to show you a life. And I keep saying this to you over and over every Sunday morning and I'm telling you, you got to stop leading him and let him lead. you got to let him do it. That's what this sermon series is all about. It's about coming to that place where it suddenly it's inconvenient to do what God said, but you have to make a decision that when you meet him face to face, is it going to be God's way or are you going to find some excuses to be making saying, I didn't agree with you, I didn't think you knew what you were talking about, I want to do it my way. Because those people are going to the left, not to the right. That's all wrapped up in Matthew 25 and you can read that left, right, goat, sheep thing. But listen to me, we've got to look Jesus in the eye and say, we did it because we said yes, Lord. What's the yes, Lord? The scripture that I want to share with you this morning is that there are seasons in your life. We're wrapping up this series. This is the second to the last sermon on, in, on this Inconvenient Sermon series. Next week, we're going to be absolutely done. Some of you are like, finally we're done if he says inconvenient one more time. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to stop living inconvenient. That's the word for all of 2019. All of it. We're just going to move on now, Okay. But I want to wrap up something Pastor Janice started last week about parenting. And I want to talk about the inconvenient seasons of parenting. Because parenting is for real. If there are things in our life that are for real, parenting is for real. Parenting will out you. Parenting will reveal you. First church I ever took, they took our children down into the depths and the bowels of the church, into the Sunday school room, Cornered our children and said, All right, child, little light, meh, you're a pastor's kid. What's your favorite Bible story? And she said, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> and they said, These are our people. Okay. Not because the Little Mermaid is a Bible story. Some of you are like, Really? Where is that? Okay. It's not in there. It's not in there. But we just have normal kids, we're normal people. We're broken people that have found a loving God that wants to wreck our lives and put it back together if we'll just give him our best yes. And that comes to parenting too. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. I'm in Ecclesiastes chapter three. That's almost in the middle of your Bible. If you brought one of these, okay, this thing. And I'm going to start bringing one of these things on a more regular basis. Just crack that baby open to the middle, okay? And if you're in like Isaiah, go back to the left. And if you're like in Psalms, go back to the right a little bit. If you want to do like me, go to the book of contents at the very front, and it will tell you exactly where the book of Ecclesiastes is, okay? It's always going to show up here. But don't let what shows up here be your meal for the week. Let it be your understanding for the day. For the day. This is just what God has for you as you go into the week. Okay, There is a time for everything and a season. for Every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant. A time to uproot. A time to kill. A time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And I'm going to go on beyond this just a little bit just because that's where my heart is. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden that God has laid on men and he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And that's the passage that I want to wrestle with, that inside of our lives there are seasons, and one of those seasons for most everybody in here, most... Most everybody in here will be a time of parenting, and inside of that time of parenting is its own seasons. Parenting has seasons. Your children grow, and they grow up, and they get older, and so your children are going through seasons. And listen to me, I am watching you raise your children, and if I, as your pastor, have something to say to you, I want to say to you, good job. Stop beating yourself I meet so many parents that think, man, if I don't kill this child or if he doesn't end up in jail, I hope he comes worthwhile somewhere. And yet when I'm with that child and they're not anywhere around you, they are the most polite, most kind, most loving people that I've ever met on the planet. And you did that. And you say, yeah, but when they're with me, they're terrible. So we both agree you're the common denominator. I'm just asking. I'm just asking, okay? No, really. I want you to know that if you'll stop being their friend, and most of you are getting this, stop being their friend and be their parent. When they're with me, they're amazing, even when they're not when they're with you. Lighten up on yourself. Pastor Janice pretty much said, listen, stop taking all the credit for you know, your little um, you know, Governor's Road Scholar, next NBA player. Stop taking all the credit for that. And also stop taking all the credit for when they make bad decisions. People have wills. And they express their wills. And if they don't express their wills anywhere else, they express it in seasons. Seasons describe when something is supposed to happen, okay? There's holiday seasons. We came through the holiday seasons. There's bathing suit seasons that come after holiday season. And then there's that sub-season in between. It's like, wow, in four weeks, can I get bathing suit ready after what happened at Christmas and Thanksgiving? The answer is no. Okay? But it doesn't mean we don't go to the beach. It just means we're going to shop in a different set. I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Okay. And then there's motorcycle season. Motorcycle season is coming up. I love motorcycle season. And then there's vacation season. And I hate vacation season, but it's coming up. Okay? Because then you're gone. And it's like, oh yeah, it's summer, right? Yeah. Okay, that's right. It's all, that's all. And then there's school. And school has its seasons. And we're coming into wedding seasons. And then there's Chaco seasons. And some of you are like, yeah, well, that's pretty much all year, right? It's like, no, it's not. Chacos when there's two feet of snow. No, 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 no. You are not a hippie from the, the 70s. No. And then there's camping seasons and we have these seasons. And we have seasons when we're rearing our child too. There's birth, right? It's a season. There's childhood, right? Then there's young adult and then there's adult and then there's aging and then there's, there's dying. In birth, we're introduced to the world. In childhood, we're in awe of the world. Young adult, we're inept in the world. Adult, we're incompetent in the world. Aging, we're incontinent in the world. And in in death, we're interred in the world. Do you know how hard I worked to see all those N words? Could I not at least get a good job, Pastor Joe? Thank you! man, what is wrong with you people today? But raising children happens in inconvenient seasons. Children grow in seasons. They're babies. That's the season of changes, crying, and cuddles. There's toddlers. That's puke, poop, and pray your heart out, okay? There's child. That's talking tantrums and one, two, three, okay? Then there's preteens. Who are you? Where are you? And I will wear you out, okay? And then there's teen. None shall pass, okay? And then there's the 20s. Get a clue, get a job, and get on with your life. And then the cycle begins all over again in your life. But there's seasons. And it's important as we are raising our children to remember that they're just seasons. When they're crying and somebody's got to change the baby, we've got to remember it's just a season. When we have that toddler that's throwing tantrums in two and it it runs over into three and you wonder if it's, it's ever going to stop, it's going to stop. You just have to persevere. Trust me, all you have to do is get through and then when that child, when it becomes a child and they begin to talk and sometimes they're a little sassy and you're counting and instead of teaching them, you're teaching them to count. Um, you need to rethink your relationship to them and how it's going to work. They're going to get through this. And as a preteen, and you, they want to be all grown up, but they still want to be treated like babies. They want you to cuddle them, coddle them, pay for everything they want. But over here, they want you to leave them alone. They're almost an adult. And so they should be allowed to make decisions for themselves. And it's like they're just in that between time. And it's like you've just got to walk with them when they're crazy. Don't chase them and be their friend. Be their parent, even when you have to do hard things. And then there's teens, and let's just move on past that. And then they get to their 20s. No, you have to go through the teens. You do. And honestly, those are the times when you start to have some very um, incredible, intelligent conversations with your children. And you start realizing, wait a minute. They're awesome people. They actually think thoughts. And they're not as dumb as you think they are. And when one of them says to you, you know, Papa, I don't think you're right. You might as well just like kill yourself and be taken off the planet because it wrecks your whole life. But the truth of the matter is, they've thought about something you didn't think about. They're not just regurgitating what you taught them. They're starting to own their own lives. And you're seeing inklings of amazing adults about to be birthed. And then they become adults And then suddenly, you know, there's that interaction. They do get a clue. They do get a job. They do begin to move on. And you're wondering, is there enough time? Can we still? And then every once in a while you say, remember when you were two or three? And they say, stop it. I'm not two or three. And it's okay. We remember that they're in seasons because Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When we look to the word and we say, God, what do you have to say to us in rearing children? Teach us to number our days. Why do we want to number our days? So that we will have a heart of wisdom. Gaining an understanding of you're only here for 75 years. 80, well, 70, 75 if you're righteous, but let's just bump it up, 80 years. Okay? And you've got these children and you number their days they're only going to be children for this long. What do I want to pour into their lives? What values do I want to give them that are going to be important to the rest of their lives? They won't get them as soon as you, as soon as you say it. Hardest thing that I ever did in raising children, the thing that I'm, I'm always in my heart crying about and asking my children's forgiveness for, is when I expect a 13-year-old to act like a 25-year-old. A 13-year-old child should act like a 13-year-old child. I believe we should go back to expecting more from them than Xbox and, and video games. I, I do. Not, those things aren't horrible if, if you manage them. But at the same time, just because they were raised in my house doesn't mean they should interact with me like an adult at 13. They should act like they're 13 at 13, just with our sense of values at the time. Seasons are real and each one has its own specialness. As I look back on my life this past week in anticipation and sharing this with you, there was that awkward moment as new parents when we had the weekend. Friday was here, and it's like, Yes, we have Friday. Let's go to the movie. And we run out of the house and we jump in the car. We back out the end of the driveway and we just get to the end of the driveway and we look at each other and we think, We have a baby. It's still in the house. We can't go to the movie without a sitter. And then you pull the car back in, put it in park, go in and have chips and salsa. And that's all you get. Because you forgot your parents now. The early season. Then there was that time you have so many children, you get invited to dinner at the new church. And everybody thinks somebody else has got the children. You get to the new house where you're going and you're the new guy. You've been there for about a week and a half, two weeks. And and they're like, don't you have five children? And as parents, you look at each other. And you want to say, yeah, we sold two of them at church. But you didn't. And then somebody shows up at the door, ding-dong, and say, are these yours? And they're like, yeah, we wondered who had them. We wondered. And then you begin to see them chasing Jesus and leading others and following visions and bringing the kingdom of God to bear on their friends' lives in high school because they want to see their, their friends saved. And there's the time they, then there's the time they grow into responsible adults and you love to visit with them, hear them talk about their work, dreams they've seen. You see their new home and you're going out to dinner with them and you're having dinner. And then there's a the time you're on the bypass and you see somebody coming at you on a motorcycle that looks strikingly like your other motorcycle for that 10 minutes that you had two motorcycles and were the wealthiest man on the planet. And you give them the motorcycle wave. And all of a sudden you realize the person who waved back is your first and oldest son. And it's like, wow, he grew up into a man. When did that happen? But it's very hard to know that all of these seasons will come and, and, and go and that that child that's crying in your arms right now and just won't stop will actually stop one day and will chase you around the house saying, why, why, why? And you'll say in the bathroom, if she doesn't stop saying why, and then when they stop saying why, you think, wow, remember when you were two? And you wish for just a little moment of that time. The second thing I want to share with you is seasons don't last. You say, well, yeah, that kind of is. No, no, no. You have to grab a hold of that thought. The season doesn't last last. Right now I have grandchildren and I'm watching my whole life start and and go all over again. And I just wish that one little precocious one that comes in, if I could just squish her back down so that she would stay that little tiny person that was so, she used words that were bigger than she is. And it was so funny. And it was so much fun. We have the picture of somebody's child hanging on the wall in this church. I remember when she was that little. And now I see her and I think, who is that girl? Where's that little tiny child that we took a picture of? And I'm watching yours grow up in front of me as much as I'm watching mine grow up. Listen to me. You feel like you're failing, but I'm telling you, this particular season is not going to last. It's a new norm for you. If you want to win at parenting, understand this is your new norm and go with it until the norm changes and then you become adaptable and you go with that one. The most famous scripture involving children from Proverbs 22 says train up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It does not mean take your child to church every Sunday morning and then when Sunday mornings come and they're absolute adults, they will always go to church. It's a a guarantee. The book of Proverbs, that word proverb means sayings from life, things that we have seen. Dr. Dobson's take on this, and I love his take from the late 70s and early 80s is, get to know your child and train up that child based on who God created them to be. If they're artistic, then celebrate their artistic. If they're, they like to dance, celebrate the dance. If they love music, celebrate the music. If they're an athlete, celebrate them as an athlete. If they are logical and using big words, celebrate them as a deep intellectual pour into them, and raise them up to be the person that you see them to be. The most dangerous thing that I see going on is when, when parents take children, and she said this last week, and shove them into a hole that was the hole that they wished they could have lived when they were that age. And we try to live our lives vicariously through what they're going through. It is a crying shame. It's also the time when you take that child, you put a football helmet on them, give them a big brass horn, put them in a tutu, and then give them some Girl Scout cookies and give them an FFA, you know, whatever it is. And they come out of the house and you think, who is this monstrosity? Because you try to plug them into every single little opportunity that is out there for them to be in. And suddenly you realize your children are the center of your world instead of Jesus. You know how I know? Because when Sunday comes, the first thing that you chuck aside is Jesus for school. You know how I know? Because if the coach rips your child up right there in front of you and give, it just trims their behind right off, you go home and say, did you hear what that coach said? But heaven help leaders at church. Say, hey, do you really? Hey, don't tell my child what to do. We, we approach it differently. And yet the leaders at church want your children in the kingdom of heaven. The coach wants your child to have a trophy. And by the way, he wants one too. And that's not bad. I'm just saying. We need to be careful because these seasons do not last. I actually had somebody say to my child, does Jesus give scholarships? Yeah, my child said, I'm going to Bible camp anyway. And every year that child came back and won the first seat position in the program that he was in. Every single year. But he saw, he saw, I didn't say he had to go, he saw the value of camp. Be intentional with your children. When we talk about these seasons not lasting, you have got to be intentional. Deuteronomy 6, 6-9 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And I shall write them on the, excuse me, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your. Gates and all that's talking about is how are you going to raise your children? How are you going to get the word of God into your children? When other little children are cussing and swearing, and 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 do you have the opportunity to say the Scripture tells us we shouldn't be using coarse language? We don't do that, not because we're better than everybody else, but because we are different than everybody else. When when uh, when people begin to sleep around, and your children say, "Is that okay?" Can you take the Scripture and open it up and say, "This is what"? why we do and don't do what we do. Because we are called to be different than this world because we have been redeemed. If we have been redeemed, then we do not have to do what the world's doing just to be like the world and make them feel better about what they're doing. We want to invite them to come away from what they're doing because God has a better life, not because they're awful human beings. Because I was an awful human being. We've got to be intentional. In our house, we listen to Christian music probably the thing that I fail at the most, and I'll just, I mean, if my kids want to go to a different church, I'm, I'm probably going to let them. But, you know, one of them posted a meme the other day, and I got it, you little passive-aggressive. I got it. And it said, you have, if you're a pastor's child, you have the right to remain silent because anything you say will be used in a sermon illustration against you. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to tell you who said that, but it's the funny one. But I understood what was being said. And that's okay. But we raised our children listening to Christian music. We did. I'm not saying it's not okay to listen to country music, some rock and roll and stuff. I listen to classic rock all the time. I'm just saying, what are you feeding your soul on? Our kids got excited about um, the, the shows that came on the radio. We loved that. And then when they sold them on um, tapes, cassette tapes, we bought the cassette tapes. When we wore those out, they finally put them on CDs and we bought those. And it was just a lot of fun. We fed our children on the word as much as we possibly could. We were very intentional about it because the seasons are short and we've been called to persevere because in the book of Hebrews it says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God you will receive what he has promised and that's children that will be with you throughout all of eternity in heaven not because of the words you say but because of the words that you believe that change your life in front of your children's eyes that change your life in front of your children's eyes. Have you ever apologized to your children for something you've done? It is okay to talk to them and do that. The goal is, I want to encourage you to hang on. As parents, I want you to hang on. You will get through this. You will. Sometimes it feels like it's more than you can handle. Look at me. Look at me. I know it feels like more than you can handle. And I prayed and cried to God I wished I had a pill or a magic wand. But I don't. But you're here. You're in church today. You are. You know what that means? Winning. Winning. Like the cats yesterday winning, or the day before yesterday winning. Yeah, you're doing great. Keep it up. Stay at it. It's just a season. The last thing I want to share with you is all the seasons will be worth it. The Scripture says that her- the children are a her- heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a-, are a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. I like this metaphor I like it. I'm a bow hunter. Used to be a bow hunter. A lot of people have land in Kentucky. A lot of it's locked up tighter than a drum. A lot of poachers. Anyway, I don't get to bow hunt like I used to. I used to be pretty handy with the bow at 45 yards. Pretty handy. Ten yards, I was lousy. I need the long shot. But see, my soul looks down. It's a metaphor for me. I am better at looking down and seeing where I'm going than I am sometimes right here. And so listen, I've made mistakes as a dad. I have. My my children, when you say, wow, they must be the best parents, no, I've just always had a chance to lead some of the best churches. I've had a chance to lead some of the best people. But I love this metaphor because here's the deal, a quiver full in the Old Testament is five. Five arrows, not like 500 arrows. Five arrows. I have five arrows. But you know what you do with an arrow? You draw it back close to you. But the purpose of an arrow is to let it go. You gotta let it go. You will let it go. Some of you are in a stage, you're in a season where, listen to me, let them go. Let them begin to make decisions for themselves. Stop telling them they're stupid. Stop stop telling them that's a stupid... Stop using that word altogether. Just stop. They're going to bump their heads. You bumped yours? Right against that wall. Your finances, bam! Your career, bam! Your friends, bam! They're human beings. You can't stop every hurt and every pain, but you can help them when they come back and say... I need to talk, but I love that arrows are pulled back so that you can let them go. And then arrows become incredibly productive because either you took the time to be intentional about what to do with that arrow and how to use it, or you didn't. You may or may not know that that's my oldest daughter. What? Some of you are like, you've been going here for two years, and you're like, that's his oldest daughter? That's my oldest daughter. It's my oldest child. My oldest son lives in northeastern Ohio, and he belongs in the ministry. His name is Joe Wood. I keep telling him if I, if I die, if he will just move down here, he can just take my cell phone, pick up my business card, nobody will know the difference. Just stand up here and say, hi, I'm Joe Wood. I'm the new senior pastor at this church. And you'll say, what? He belongs in the ministry. He's an amazing father, a great husband, and he's not perfect. But he's involved in church. He's involved in leading young adults. He's involved in Sunday school teaching. He's there. My other children are plugged into that booth, plugged into ministry. One of them is in here is a, just an incredible small group leader. I just love that they all are involved in ministry. And I'm just here to tell you, it was seasons And we found time to enjoy every season, even when it was difficult. And even now, looking back, and there's no way, I think, to live a life where you don't look back and say, wow, I wished I would've. There's gonna be something because you're not perfect. There's gonna be something because there's never enough time. There's gonna be something because you did have to make a decision about a job. You did have to do something. There's always gonna be something. But you have to decide right now what you're saying to your children. Every time you turn on the television, You have to decide what you're saying to your children. Your children will be the greatest reflection of your values concerning your spouse, concerning money, concerning people, concerning church life, concerning love, concerning giving. Your children will be the greatest example of anger, the reflection of your anger. But more than anything, they have the potential to be the greatest example of your relationship to Jesus Christ. They have that. So what are your children learning from watching your example? What are they learning? Come on up to our feet. Listen, we all struggle. We all struggle. We do. Some of you aren't parents in here, but listen, you are aunts and uncles. You are brothers and sisters a lot of this relates to people that you interact with still on a regular basis parenting is still something that we need to speak into as we're here and i want to encourage you to understand what it is you're saying to your children by your lifestyle not by your words but remember it's just a season and i would encourage you to be intentional in it if you're feeling overwhelmed then come up here and let us pray for you. Now listen, if you want me to come out there and drag you up here, I will do that. You want to go old school Pentecostal, okay, I'll start walking the aisles. say, you, come on up here. The Lord told me, okay, I know, I know. I expect to see you up here at the front for prayer. Because I know that God wants to do something spiritual in your life. Because my God is spirit. And that's what I show up to church for is to run into him so we are here to do this very thing. So you just come on up here. These people will start praying for you. We're going to sing this song so that we have something to do while you're being prayed for. Okay? That's really what it's for. (laughs) But we love you. I love you. God loves you. And he has better things in store for you than what you're settling for right now.